0: This is a Bartificer production. Welcome to episode 124 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host, Bart Pujots, and this is the show for January 2024. first show of the new year so happy new year to you all i hope it is healthy i hope it is full of joy i hope it is full of creative success and i hope things are prosperous enough that you're not too stressed about such things so i started my 2024 by doing something i haven't done in a very long time i went on a holiday in fact i got on an airplane for the first time since covid and travelled. It wasn't a long trip. Um, I had a little bit of business to do in my native Belgium and then I spent most of my time over there with family and just being there. And I had a choice to make. Do I bring my big boy camera, as friends of the show Alison Sheridan would call it, or do I leave it at home? Well, TLD or I left it at home. Uh, My aim for the trip was very much, first and foremost, to catch up with family. I mean, yes, it's nice to do a team's call every now and then, you know, on Christmas and on New Year's and on people's birthdays and stuff, but it's really, really, really not the same as actually spending time with family. So I had, you know, a family engagement every day I was there and I enjoyed them all thoroughly. Um... And, you know, that was absolutely the thing I was most keen to be sure to get done during the holiday. A second priority, um, and this might sound a little woo-woo to people, but I really, really missed just being in Belgium for the pandemic and all of those years. I hadn't hadn't really spent much time in Belgium before the pandemic, apart from, you know, popping over for funerals, which is hardly the best uh sort of occasion to enjoy a country also I was only there very briefly for funerals and stuff like that so I really hadn't actually just been immersed in Belgium for probably a decade and I missed it like you know Belgium is an important part of my life and I felt a desire to be back on home soil so I wanted to just experience Flanders you know not not spend my time as a tourist but just be there marinating it for a while and so that was my second priority and then a lower a much 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 lower third priority was maybe come home with some nice photos but I didn't want the trip to be led by photography I didn't want photography to be driving my plans I wanted photography to be opportunistic if something you know if an opportunity presented itself great I'll make the most of it but absolutely no way was I going to arrange things around photography. And, you know, the last time I had travelled was well before I made the switch from being a DSLR photographer to an iPhone photographer primarily. And I needed to, you know, make a choice. Do I blow the dust off the old Nikon D5100? You know, dig out the old 18 to 350 or 18-300, can't remember what it is. Um, Super Zoom that I bought specifically for holiday, you know, travel photography, because it gets everything from a wide angle to a deep telephoto all in one, with very close-up macro focusing It's a lovely lens, um, Sigma lens. But, you know, it's heavy. camera's big. So if the aim of the holiday was for photography to be opportunistic, it didn't seem like a good fit. So I left it at home. The dust, (laughs) the most recent photograph on the memory card, is still over three years old. So I haven't, I have a different reason I'm probably going to be blowing the dust off the Nikon D5100 shortly because my darling beloved gave me an extremely thoughtful um, birthday present, which will definitely come into its own with a DSLR strapped to it. But that is a story for another day. Bottom line, I wanted to travel to Belgium, I wanted to spend time with family, I wanted to spend time just being in Belgium, and if an opportunity arose, I wanted to snap some nice photos, hopefully get some keepers to come home with. And I decided, big camera, stays at home, iPhone, it shall be. With niggling at the back of my head at all times the question of, am I going to regret this? Am I on the cusp of making a very silly mistake? Well, look, I don't believe in, uh, you know, suspense and stuff. Spoiler alert. No, no, I didn't regret it. In fact, it was a fantastic idea. I didn't really find myself missing opportunities because actually the latest iPhone is more than good enough for most situations. And the sheer liberty of always having a camera with me for as and when opportunity arose but never having to think about it, never having to charge it, check the memory cards, carry this big heavy thing, absolutely none of the downsides. My phone was always going to be with me, primarily because I don't like being in a place I'm not particularly familiar with without maps. I mean, sure, I had been in the charming town that I stayed in, in Lille, um many, many times throughout my life. A not in the last decade, and B never as my base of operations. So, actually, I'm going to do a little plug for the town of Lille before I dig into the photography stuff. Really, um, the so I grew up in the little village of Duffel, which is in Flanders, or sort of halfway between Brussels and Antwerp, near the town of Mechelen, and it's actually where the Duffel coat and so forth came from because in Napoleonic France, which that part of Belgium was a part of. Um, There was a monopoly given to the village for the making of heavy woolen articles, and so those heavy woolen articles ended up being named for the village where they all came from, i.e. they were known as duffel, hence you have duffel coats, duffel bags, etc, etc. Not a sign of a heavy woolen coat being manufactured in the villages these days, by the way, probably not in hundreds of years. So, you know, Duffel was where my grandparents had their house and where I would would always have been my base of operation. And one town to the north, if you follow the River Neta, you end up in the historic town of Leith. And that is where my dad went to school in his younger days and he's always had a fondness for the town. So when him and mum picked a place to set up um, a, you know, an apartment in Belgium they chose the town of Leith so that was my base of operations for this trip which is the first time I've been based out of Leith when travelling to Belgium and I have to say it is an absolutely beautiful town that I think is massively underappreciated it sits at the confluence of two, I guess depending on how you count it two or three rivers or many 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 rivers if you if you get particularly persnickety in how you count basically Leaving lead heading south is the River Neta, which was then canalized for most for a good chunk of its length, so it actually becomes a Neta Canal, connects with the river Scheldt, and it's got a lot of ship traffic on it. Basically, you want to get from the Albert Canal to the south of Belgium, France, and all of that. You go down through the Neta Canal, then the navigable section of the River Neta, join the Scheldt, and down you go. I guess you can go to the harbour of Antwerp or you can go down towards France. But Up in Leeds, that river splits in two, or rather two rivers combine: uh, the Corota and the Clana, the big and the small nae, they combine to become a new river. And over the centuries, that new river, or that bigger river, those three rivers, caused a fair bit of trouble for the townspeople of Leeds because it had a habit of flooding them, which they didn't like. And it also presents them with an opportunity, because they could use it to defend their town. So over the course of the centuries they dug all sorts of different channels for the river, uh, diverting it twenty different ways from Sunday. So if you look at Leed on a map, what you will notice is there's water water everywhere, and it all has very, very similar names, because at one point in time it was probably one of the two rivers Neta, one of the three rivers Neta. Or it's a canal someone dug. And yeah, there's a lot of water about. It's also a beautiful medieval town. Very, very old history. Um, So you have narrow cobbled streets and lots and lots of beautiful buildings in the local brick, which is red or yellow generally. And of course, all of that managed water means you have canals. So actually... There are many parts of the town that you would look at and go, "Oh, I could be in, in Amsterdam," or if you're on one of the big squares in the town, you might look at the architecture and go, "Oh, I could be in Antwerp," or I, you know, I could be in Ghent, or I could be, I could be in even Bruges, frankly, uh, or Brugge. Oh, sorry, I hate the fact that the English version of this Flemish city, Brugge, has been Frenchified. Excuse my um, slightly nationalistic feelings on that one. Um, anyway. So the town of Leeds is actually an extremely pretty place. It's all within walking distance of my parents' apartment. And it it has some little features, including, as I say, the medieval architecture. There's something there called a beguinage, which is a really cool thing, which is um, a place where an order of lay sisters, who were quite revolutionary in their day, they lived in beautiful little houses now, and it's in the process of being renovated, The old town wall has now become effectively a circular park around the town called the Vesta. And then you just have, you know, as I say, beautiful architecture all around the the old canals with these beautiful gables in front of it. It, Just really beautiful place. So visitlead.be forward slash en will give you a flair for the place. So that was my base of operations. I spent some time driving around visiting family and... A lot of time walking around Leed and I went for three nice long cycles, you know, making use of the fact that Belgium is cycling heaven and got to retread a lot of old ground, Uh, you know, all the places I would have been as a kid, which was really, really good fun. But as I say, a lot of walking around Leed, which meant there actually was quite a bit of opportunity to take some photographs. So at a sort of a philosophical level, I have no qualms in saying best decision I made in ages was not to bring my big DSLR, but to rely entirely on the now extremely capable camera in my pocket at all times. The good old, I say good old, the nice new iPhone 15 Pro Max. It is an amazing camera. I didn't miss the big one one bit, but that would make for quite a short podcast and not all that interesting a podcast. So I actually do want to share some tips because I did come home with some pictures I'm really fond of. Um... Depending on how early you listen to this podcast and quite how proactive I am about things, you might find a link in the show notes to a an album over on Flickr where I will have all of my photographs posted. As I record this, I have edited about a third of them. Uh, there's a lot of... no, about a quarter of them actually, now I think about it. Um... Uh, There's a good chunk of what I have edited and shared is on my Mastodon, my Glass profile and my Twitter profile. So, you know, they're out there. But, you know, I I presume I'll make a a gallery and I presume I'll pop a link into the show notes at lessestalk.ie. Anyway, I just, there were a couple of things I noticed from a practical photographic point of view that I thought might be worth sharing. So the first tip actually starts before arriving. So one of the things I've always enjoyed I don't know yeah actually there was a was it a podcast or something anyway at some point someone pointed out to me that the atmosphere does weird things with light a lot more often than you might realize you just need to pay attention so I am always on the lookout for things like sundogs, solar halos, lunar halos, all these kind of things and of course rainbows are the prettiest of them all and there's a lot goes on in the atmosphere and I'm extremely aware of that fact whenever I fly, especially if I'm flying in sort of the afternoon or the morning, so not middle of the middle of the day and not when the sun is way too low in the sky, but sort of, you know, sort of your mid-afternoon, mid-morning sort of flights, I'm particularly careful to always book a window seat, to have that window seat be on the side of the plane opposite the sun, that's very important, and to provide for nicer photographic compositions a few rows back from the wing basically i want to be able to include the wing in any photographs i take out of the window because that gives a way cooler feeling of oh this is a photograph from an airplane and i just like that so uh the side opposite the sun behind close to the wing in fact specifically if you're flying an airbus a320 row 21a is my favourite seat. I had it twice, in fact, on this trip, 21A. Fantastic seat. Um, Okay, so why am I so fond of 21A Uh, if it's on the right side of the plane? I guess 21E will be on the other side. Anyway, well, if the atmosphere is correct, if there are the right size of water vapor molecules hanging in the air, once you pop your way through the clouds and you're up, In the sun, you're going to have a deck of clouds below you and then you're going to have the sun shining from behind you because you're sitting on the side of the aircraft that is opposite the sun. And at the point in the sky exactly opposite the sun from your eyeballs, there will be, well there is, what we call the anti-solar point. And around that anti-solar point, if the air conditions are right, will be a rainbow coloured circular halo do won't be, well, won't be that big. Depending on how far below you the cloud bank is, that halo will be sort of effectively closer or further away from you, which means that you may or may not notice something really cool right at the very, 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 very middle of that circular halo. And that is the silhouette of your airplane. Because what you're actually seeing is the shadow of your airplane surrounded by something called the Brock Spectre. And you can see the Brock Spectre on any situation where the sun is above you. There is the appropriate size of water molecule in the air and there is something in front of you to project onto. So a mountaintop is the most traditional place of seeing the Brock Spectre. And in that case, what you would tend to have is a very elongated human shadow with a halo around either the head or wherever the camera is being held. And the silhouette of the person goes right into the middle of the halo. Of course, if you're in an airplane, there is no bottom right you're you're hanging in the air so the, the halo is really fully circular and your entire shadow is contained within the very center of the halo it's a really cool effect you once you know to look for it you'll see it a lot in order to photograph it really well you do need to have the you know the right atmospheric conditions for the halo to be particularly strong and the closer the cloud bank is to you the better the effect will be because then you'll notice the silhouette of your own airplane which is just so cool so I did get some shots of the Brock Inspector on this trip. Um, they weren't the kind that are the most amazing. It, the effect wasn't as pronounced as it could have been, but it was there, and I got some photographs of it. Um, but you couldn't see the silhouette of the plane, unfortunately. It was just a circular rainbow, a little circular halo rainbow hovering just off the wing, which, as I say, is kind of cool. So I was happy I got it. And as I say, always, I always try to book those seats because the atmosphere does fun stuff when you're up in the sky. So that was my first sort of tip before I even arrived. Once I did arrive, um, the second thing that really stands out to me when I look back at my photographs from the trip is that beautiful historic cities with small medieval streets are not easy to photograph because everything is too close. And I am a huge fan of the ultra wide lens on the modern iPhones. I love to get close and low with that ultra wide lens; it's a really cool effect. I've waxed lyrical many times on this show about you know how much I love the shooting style available to me with that ultra wide lens. You know, as I say, close and low, amazing shots every time. Not every time, you know what I mean. But even that ultra wide lens isn't enough when you find yourself, say, in the Begonage with your back to a very old wall on a very narrow street with a very tall but very beautiful church straight in front of you. The ultra-wide will not get the full facade, let alone the facade with its spire. So the first tip is that any time on my iPhone I find myself in a situation where the ultra-wide isn't wide enough, I reach for panoramic mode straight away. I think a lot of people would think of that, particularly for landscapes. Something people may not realize is that the iPhone in no way has a problem with you taking your pano vertically instead of horizontally. In fact it's perfectly happy to do that. It will sort of you know, when the text the camera's been rotated, it will rearrange the user interface and everything and it 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 is designed to work for vertical panoramas. So a vertical panel is fantastic for tall things. And not only can you flip the camera into vertical panel mode by just, you know, reorienting the camera, when you're in panoramic mode, you can also change the lens while in panoramic mode. So when you absolutely positively need the widest view possible of something tall, turn on panorama mode, switch to the ultra wide lens and then rotate your phone. So it's a vertical panorama and that should do the trick. And in the case of the beautiful church in the Beguiners, that's exactly what it did. It worked absolutely perfectly and I was able to get the church with its facade and its tower all in one shot even though I literally had my back to a very old wall now this does come with a few caveats every panel you shoot there will be distortion every wide angle shot you shoot there will be distortion a wide angle panoramic shot has a lot of distortion. Oh yeah, I forgot another source of distortion. Anytime you lean back, anytime you are not shooting horizontal, there there are perspective distortions. So between the sort of barrel distortion from the pano, the perspective distortion from literally leaning back a long way to get the top of the spire in, and the distortions from the wide angle lens itself, there's a lot of distortion going on here you can deal with a decent chunk of distortion in post processing the skew sliders inside the camera apps editing section once you click on the crop icon you 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 know you you can crop you can level and then you have these two other sliders next to it well they are the sort of up and down pincush or uh, keystoning uh, or skew and the left and right keystoning or skew um and those two can be very helpful when you're shooting wide uh, if you bring the image into something like lightroom you can deal with some of the pin cushioning as well by turning on lens correction in lightroom and ios so you can even on the iphone edit down a lot of the distortions but in order for that to work you need to leave yourself enough room around the edges because when you use the skew sliders it's de-keystoning the image, which means that one side is pinched in and the other side is stretched out. So you end up having to crop in to, to retain a rectangular photograph. And the more you pull that slider, the more you'll notice that your shot is zooming in. So if you framed it tightly, you're not going to get to apply a lot of skew. Uh, if The same, same thing is sort of true with pin cushioning. With pin cushioning, you're, you're dealing with the middle of all four sides of the shot being pulled in, well, if there isn't enough room there to pull them in, then you're going to again have to crop into your subject. So leave yourself lots and lots of room. Also set realistic expectations. You have three sources of distortion. You can counteract all of them to some extent. You cannot counteract all of them perfectly. The shot is going to look like it was shot with a wide angle lens, which is honest, it was it's not going to look like a perfect architectural shot with a tilt shift camera. But it won't look so awful that you hate it. It'll just look like what it is. Assuming you do take the time to de-skew it a bit because out of the camera, it's going to look pretty awful. But as I say, a little bit of work and you will end up with a shot that is perfectly possible, even if it remains obvious that this was shot with a wide-angle lens and the photographer had a little bit of work to do to get this to work. But I ended up doing it quite a few times because, like I say, medieval city, lots of lovely architecture, Uh, I was regularly in need of panoramic mode. Um, Another somewhat related note, um, I've already mentioned many times how amazing night mode is on the iPhone. Well, yeah, it is. So if the weather doesn't quite play ball, which, like... I didn't have bad weather for my trip, right? Before I arrived, it was freezing like crazy, minus seven degrees Celsius and stuff like that. And the day after I left, the place was covered in snow and freezing at minus five or six Celsius again. So, you know, before I arrived, it was a giant big, ice place and after i left it was a giant big deep freeze again and while i was there the temperature hovered around you know two or three degrees celsius which is the right side of zero so i actually had a perfectly fine trip i was able to cycle safely i was able to walk safely it was was fine but it was also 99 percent overcast but it was dry apart from the very last day where we had some snow showers and they made things a little bit awkward in brussels airport Um, And I did get a little bit wet on the very last walk I took on the very last day, just before grabbing lunch, before heading to the airport. But I was close to home, so it didn't really bother me too much. But anyway, why am I rambling on? Oh yes, because it was mostly overcast. Uh, There were swings and roundabouts to that. It was overcast and completely, totally and utterly calm which meant that the or on the first day I was completely totally on totally the calm. It wasn't as calm the rest of my holiday, but that first day I went out for a walk and I followed the entire route of the biggest canal in the town that runs straight up through the middle of the town. And the canal was like a mirror. It was amazing. And along many streets there, particularly uh, Dwereff and the Vismarkt Uh, the old wharf and the old fish market, you have these beautiful Dutch style facades, which really, really do look like you're in Amsterdam. Like really, it's mini Amsterdam. Absolutely beautiful. All reflected in the water. Completely made up for the fact that I didn't have beautiful, you know, soft, warm winter sun on these beautiful local bricks, which would have been a beautiful photograph too. But, you know, those reflections were amazing. Anyway, because it was mostly overcast and because the light wasn't particularly photogenic, a lot of the, the, the street scenes, the beautiful little the squares and stuff, they just, they just weren't looking great. So I didn't really snap as many shots of those as I would have otherwise. But one of my walks was in the evening when it was dark. And those same streets looked amazing in night mode. Yeah, it was still overcast, but who cares? It's night. It's night. Also, historic buildings tend to be the ones that get lit up the best at night. So they can really stand out from their surroundings at night. So that night mode really was very much fun uh, when wandering around medieval lead at night. So definitely remember it can do that. Um, and then I guess my final piece of advice uh, is that it can be very difficult to capture the feeling of a place in a single shot like there's stuff going on at different scales and from different points of view so you can capture a specific aspect of a place in a single shot but it's really 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 hard to capture a true feeling of the place in one photograph but you can do it in one image if you're prepared to take a little bit of time and combine two, three, four, whatever it takes, images into a diptych, triptych or a collage of some sort. Um, and I ended up doing that quite a bit uh, because it actually, yeah, I'm actually really happy how that worked out. Um, I've, I've ended up posting a lot more diptychs and collages than I have in ages, Um, I, you know, as I've been processing the first quarter of the shots from from this trip. And they're already up on on my Glass slash um, Flickr accounts if people want to have a look. And as I said, it's probably going to be linked in the show notes to gallery at some stage. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to give a little bonus tip. Um, If you're looking for a nice app for creating diptychs, driptychs, collages, etc. right on your iOS device, then the app that I have found to work the best, and I have tried a few over the years is one called Frame Magic, which is linked in the show notes. It is free to try, but you are going to have to buy at least one in-app purchase to really unlock its true power. I think if memory serves, if you don't unlock it, you have a watermark. So, you know, if it turns out that you like the app's features, then you are going to spend some money on it, but it's not particularly expensive. The in-app purchases, certainly not the ones I bought. And once you unlock its power, it really is quite a cool app. I am extremely fond of it, um, so much so that it's actually has a place in my share sheet. So, in the Photos app, I pick the five, or, you know, the handful of photographs that I want to combine into one image. I hit the you know, square up arrow share button, and then I just choose uh, Frame Magic from the share sheet. And and immediately it auto builds me a panorama or sorry, a collage. It's really nice. Anyway, uh, I'm going to leave it there. Just basically, I'm really, really happy that I chose to travel with just my iPhone. Not because I want to have just my iPhone, but because I don't want to have my big DSLR. It was the right thing to do, I'm really happy I did it. And I would suggest uh, when you're traveling, give consideration to travelling just with your smartphone. You might be surprised at how liberating it is and how many great photos you still manage to come home with. You will find a written version of this story as a sort of little essay at letslashtalk.ie as the show notes for this uh, podcast episode. You will find links in there to Frame Magic and probably gallery of my images from this trip, assuming I get around to it and also some links to support the show. And I really want to thank everyone who supported the show in 2023, or indeed at any point in the past. I want to thank all of you who are currently supporters of the show. You guys rock. I got a weird cryptic email from Patreon saying that something weird had happened and you might have to resubscribe. I don't know how many of you that affects. If it affects you and you ended up being bumped by this Patreon bug, please do resubscribe. We haven't quite recovered our numbers from my simulation of monthly billing. We're basically, after years of telling everyone to pledge half of what you want to pledge, because it'd be exactly two episodes a month, I've now switched to one monthly Patreon post. So it's now way simpler. Just pledge what you want to give me each month but of course most of you had it halved, so yeah, revenue fell quite a bit and I don't know how much it's going to fall because of this new bug in Patreon so if you have been affected please consider tweaking your um, subscription over at Patreon uh, let's just talk.ie as I say, button there also, those of you who make one-off PayPal donations, you folks absolutely rock. My basic theory is the Patreon money goes to pay the Monthly Bills because Patreon money comes in every month, bills come in every month, apply one to the other, hope they cancel out, which they were doing last year. They're not quite doing now, but they, I'm sure they will soon. And the PayPal money is great for, I guess, making up the shortfall. But more than that, it's, for, it's what I use to buy equipment, you know, things that fade over time You know, sometimes that's some software sometimes it's some hardware sometimes it's you know it, yeah mainly software and hardware actually what else is there um, anyway thank you very much everyone who supports the show also just sharing news about the show is supporting the show and I really appreciate it whenever someone does that so thank you thank you thank you let's talk at .ie for the show notes and the support buttons I've been your host Bart Blue Shots so you can find me at BartB.ie, and until next time happy snapping